Let's talk about ASD versus PTSD. Hey guys, welcome back to my channel. On today's episode, I wanted to talk about the significance relationship between ASD and PTSD, those similarities and differences that may be hard for us to differentiate at times. This video is a long time coming. I have been planning on making this video for a while now, but I just wanted to give myself some time to work up to it because of course when you're talking about PTSD you may be talking about a lot of things that you don't really want to revisit very often because it is rooted in traumatic events so I just wanted to make sure that I gave myself time to build my channel and all the different types of content surrounding neurodivergency the good, the bad, the funny before I started to talk about something as serious as PTSD and I know that I'm not the only one who may struggle with that balance because I know a lot of my viewers on here, you guys, also have been through a lot of traumatic experiences yourself. A lot of you guys were diagnosed with other disorders alongside the autism. And so I just wanted to navigate this topic with as much respect as I can. Like my other informational type of videos, I am going to be talking about objective information, but I thought that for this video specifically, I would kind of veer a little bit more towards my own personal story and experiences just because I feel like a lot of the times, with this topic especially, we can understand the differences between PTSD and autism. We could read about it, we could research it all we want, but a lot of the times what we struggle with is not necessarily the learning of the information, it's about trying to figure out how that applies to ourselves. And I think when we're talking about autistic individuals like us, we have an easier time understanding something, how it applies to us when we can see how it applies to another person. That's how we can begin to really reflect on ourselves in a way that allows us to learn about ourselves in a more in-depth way. So with that being said, I'm going to kind of roll into the objective information to start this video off today, and then I will begin to talk about some of my personal experiences with PTSD and ASD and how that affected my life. That is just kind of like a rundown of how this video will go, because I know us autistics like to know what to expect. So let's get right into it. The first thing I really want to touch on is the definition of PTSD. Post-traumatic stress disorder is exactly what it sounds like, a psychiatric disorder caused by experiencing traumatic events. Exposure to trauma doesn't guarantee the development of PTSD. That part's important. It's estimated about 70% of adults in the United States go through a traumatic situation at least once and roughly 20% experience PTSD afterward. So what that statistic tells me is that not everyone who experiences a traumatic event will walk away with PTSD. And this is why psychology is so interesting and such a nuanced topic that we should always be dissecting because 
the way we perceive an experience may be completely different than how someone else experiences it. And that really is impacted by a person's psyche, their neurological developmental way of processing things. And so this is important in the context of autism spectrum disorder because it is a neurological disorder. So the way we process experiences, the way we even process how we physically feel something is going to be a lot different than the average neurotypical holistic individual, right? What that means is we may experience something as a traumatic event and walk away with PTSD and someone else who may experience the same exact event may not perceive it as anything significantly traumatic, let alone walk away with PTSD. Research to date suggests that individuals with autistic spectrum disorder may be at increased risk of developing post-traumatic stress disorder following exposure to traumatic life events. It has been posited that characteristics of ASD may affect perceptions of trauma with a wider range of life events acting as possible catalysts for PTSD development. People with more autistic traits display a specific form of PTSD, one characterized by hyperarousal. They may be more easily startled, more likely to have insomnia, predisposed to anger and anxiety, or have greater difficulty concentrating than is seen in other forms of PTSD. I also want to take this time to really highlight that because it is mostly about how you experience an event that dictates whether or not it was traumatic to you. I want to really highlight this quote that Dr. Gabor Mate had said in his film, The Wisdom of Trauma. This film is such an amazing resource to learning about how trauma affects you as a person and affects a child. This is a film that I continually watch over and over again, like once every few months, just so I can look at it with fresh eyes and I could always learn something new every single time. And I recently rewatched it again last month and there was a specific quote that really stood out to me. So children don't get traumatized because they get hurt. Children get traumatized because they're alone with the hurt. This is very significant because he not only highlights the fact that it's not necessarily about the event itself. You know, someone could experience trauma from their parents not showing up to their important game. The same as a child might be traumatized by being homeless growing up, you know? A lot of the time society likes to look at trauma and measure it. I myself, have been like that in the past. Like my trauma, my hurt is more significant than yours because I had to deal with A, B, and C and all you had to deal with was, you know, your parents not buying you the Christmas present you want. As I continue to heal as a person and really begin to heal all of the hurt within myself, I really realize that it's not about what happened to you, it's about how you experienced it. And a lot of the times, those who deal with the hurt by themselves, that's what makes trauma trauma, right? A lot of people out there, I feel like, go through very profoundly painful experiences but so long as they have the love and support of their family and friends, it makes it that much more manageable to get through it. On the other side of the coin, I feel like those out there who don't have people in their lives, it makes it harder for them to manage a lot of those experiences because they have to go through it alone. When you felt bad as a kid, who did you speak to? When the pain is there and there's no one to share it with, 
and the child has very limited resources to deal with that. And what they do is they disconnect from themselves. When you disconnect from yourself, you no longer have yourself. You've lost yourself. When we talk about trauma, we usually think of something terrible happening to a person. But that's not the only trauma there is. And so the other kind of trauma may not have to do with terrible things happening to you. Trauma is an overwhelming threat that you don't know how to deal with. So trauma is not the bad things that happen to you, but what happens inside you as a result of what happens to you. And this is significant because generally speaking, those who have autism spectrum disorder, we are a lot more susceptible to being alone due to the social deficit. This is why I think a lot of autistic individuals do have a higher likeliness of experiencing things as traumatic events. Because generally speaking, I'm not saying all autistic individuals don't have a support system and don't have loved ones to rely on. There are a lot of autistic individuals out there who are blessed with that. But there are a lot of autistic individuals out there who aren't blessed with that. Those who are born into situations that are actually more adverse and they not only have to go through that, but they have to go through that alone. Everyone responds to traumatic events in their life differently, right? I want to get that out of the way because as I get into my own experience, experiences, I want you guys to really listen with a critical mindset. If you're a person who listens to my experiences and tends to relate to everything I went through and how I process it and how it affects me, that's great. I'm glad my content could help you learn about yourself, but if you are a person that is listening and there's a few things here and there that may not be how you went through something or how you processed it, that's totally okay. That's not a moment for you to use to discount yourself and your experiences. That's a moment for you to actually use your own discernment as to how a certain thing affected you a certain way and why. I experience this as well when I am listening or watching content of other people and their experiences. I think a part of my autism makes it hard for me to discern whether or not something is normal based off of what I think and go through. There's times where someone will go through something and I use that as an example to discount my own experiences because I see that as the norm and I am the abnormal, so that must mean what I think and go through might not be valid. I don't want you guys to make that mistake. This is something I consciously have to always manage on my end. And so I just think it's super important for me to give you guys the permission to not discount yourself just because we are different people going through things differently. Just to be up to date with my PTSD journey, I do not think I have PTSD at this point in my life. The reason why I do not have PTSD anymore is largely due to the fact that I have consciously made the effort over the past many years to remove myself from every situation that made me experience traumatic events. This is important because there's no way for you to give yourself an opportunity to overcome your trauma and to move away from it, build new experiences outside of trauma 
if you are still in those environments that are continually hurting you. I've not only removed myself from all those environments, but I've placed myself very intentionally in environments and built up practices and habits to support me as a person and who I want to be today. But that being said, it wasn't too long ago where I was still profoundly affected by my PTSD, especially if you're a person who may have both PTSD and autism. What really helps a medical professional differentiate those two is whether or not your autism symptoms were present before the age of seven and was present throughout your life despite how it looked and transformed. I was autistic regardless of the PTSD, regardless of the traumatic events that I experienced. Both can exist at the same time, but the autism has to be there with or without the PTSD. That is something that you guys should really start to think about. And my autism was there before I had PTSD as I was a child and is here now when I have overcome the PTSD and all throughout the PTSD as well. Just to kind of like break down the type of traumatic experiences that I have went through, I'm not going to go into detail. I'm just going to try to objectify this as much as possible. If you are a person that may struggle with high anxiety or PTSD yourself, I suggest you listen to this portion of the video with a lot of care. Other than that, I won't go into too much detail anyway, so I hope that that will help if you are someone who really wants to learn through my experiences. So for me, as a child, I grew up in a very abusive household. And when I say abusive, it's not just one or two types of abuse. It was multiple different types of abuse. It was physical, emotional, verbal, and also financial abuse, which is a little bit different than what you normally see. I think it took many years for me to register what I was going through as abuse because it was kind of hard for me to understand what was normal in general. And so that's why it took so long for me to understand my normal is not the same as other people's normal and was defined as abuse. It was hard because I grew up around a lot of other Asian Americans with immigrant parents and so physical discipline was common. I would see my friends being hit every now and then when they did something bad. I thought, okay, this is normal. Parents hitting their kids is something that happens to everyone. But it took me a while to realize that you know, they were being punished for doing something wrong. But my brothers and I were being punished all the time, not because we did something wrong, but because my father was mad at us. In that sense, I never knew when and how I was gonna be punished. It just would happen based off of his emotions. And therefore there was no way to predict or avoid punishment. It was just always imminent. As an autistic person, I would have been good at trying to figure out the patterns of my father. What will make him tick? What will make it so that he is going to be more likely to hit me and things like that? But I could never seem to get a grasp of what I did or didn't do that was gonna make him angry because the truth of the matter was, when he's mad, he will literally find whatever reason to beat us and to make us feel bad. And that's just, the type of environment I grew up in. Little things like if he came home one day and was very upset, my brothers and I weren't ready at the garage door to greet him. That could be a reason for him to beat us. 
you know, whereas other days it wouldn't have mattered if we were there or not. Also, both of my parents are narcissistic in different ways. Obviously, my dad is narcissistic in a more malicious way that was harmful to us. And my mom was more narcissistic in a way that she only cared about what she wanted, her safety, and how things affected her. And when things were not convenient for her or beneficial for her, she just didn't really care to interact with that person or that experience. For the longest time, my childlike mind tried to process my trauma in a way where dad is bad, mom is good. But when I started becoming a teenager, I realized, you know, both of my parents are not great. And that was also very hard to go through. I also went through pretty profound trauma in many different ways as you can imagine growing up as a woman that kind of comes naturally but trigger warning for trauma i was as a child and i was also in a very abusive relationship where there was a lot of abuse happening within that relationship which really solidified that trauma and that's on top of all of the harassment that I would go through throughout the years being a young woman out in public and in work situations. Talking about PTSD specifically, I had a couple different ones, right? I had PTSD in association to connecting with others, and I also had PTSD in association to men, and I also had PTSD in association to trauma that was the most strong ptsd that i carried on the longest as a child i didn't develop ptsd actually if i could reflect back to how i was as a child and throughout that time where i was experiencing a lot of that trauma i was very resilient and i think this is very common for children in general because a lot of the times children we don't have these preconceived notions that we are indoctrinated into yet. A lot of the times children are going through very objectively horrible experiences, but not being necessarily affected by it. I remember I would still be playing with other kids while still being abused at home. It wasn't until I started becoming a little bit more sentient and understanding the emotional aspects of the human experience. So like around fifth grade into high school, that's when I really started to understand the depth of what I was going through and how it affects me and how it's not okay. And that's when I started to really truly develop the PTSD. I would say like the hardest time in my life genuinely was from middle school all the way through high school because I was still in that environment that had traumatized me as I understood that it wasn't okay. I was also going through it alone. I feel like this is common for everyone despite the autism. But I feel like the autism made it a lot worse because I didn't know how to even convey what I was going through to someone. And it was already so hard for me to make friendships and keep them, maintain them. So I was just already struggling socially. I was already struggling with making connections with others, which made it so that I was very alone in the whole process of going through what I was going through. I remember the first time I opened up about what I was going through at home to friends, it was almost like this experience where I couldn't even control 
what had came out of my mouth. I wasn't expecting to, I wasn't planning on doing it. It's just an overflow of emotions in that moment because the people I was I was with was kind of pushing me to that point. And then I remember just like gushing out about all the abuse I was going through and how tired I was and how lonely I felt and how broken I felt. And I imagine this is a common experience for a lot of autistic people, like having these breaking points where you can't hold it back anymore and it just comes out and you can't control it. And that's when people realize like, oh my God, I didn't realize you were going through that. I would have never known or suspected because you hold it together so well and you're so reserved and you're so like straight faced, right? And, and especially cause we were in high school, we're so young. And so, you know, their capabilities to empathize and understand other people's pain wasn't very developed. And they were also men. So as you can imagine, like high school boys, but I remember they were just like, didn't know how to respond at all. The only person that really knew how to respond was this one boy that lost his father at a young age. And he took that opportunity to also open up to me about how, you know, life could be so painful and he really empathizes and it really sucks and stuff like that. But I feel like it's a big part of autism to not know when to bring these things up or how to bring these things up and to not have a really good established friendship to feel comfortable to even bring it up because a lot of the times relationships can feel very surface level. So when you're a person that goes through very profound traumatic experiences like I was, it's hard to like find the right time to bring that up because there never really is a right time. I remember feeling like a really deep sense of guilt when I opened up about it because I almost felt like I had tainted all of them with my issues. Like they didn't need to hear about it, but I just kind of like plopped it onto them. And I remember like the next day just apologizing over and over again. And they were just like, you know what? It's fine. Like we weren't expecting that to happen, but we're sorry that we pushed you to that point. And I think although that experience was very scary for me to open up for the first time to people about something so significant, it was very necessary because that showed me that there are people out there who are willing to listen to me and learn. And that's just something I had to really like say over and over again in my head throughout the next few years is I can open up to people as long as I trust them and as long as I feel like this moment is okay and I can lean on people, I can ask for help. That experience in and of itself wasn't smooth. There's many times where I opened up in situations that probably wasn't appropriate. And looking back on it, I, I still cringe every now and then because I was like, ooh, I wonder how they felt in that moment. Like, were they really put off by it? Were they, you know, taken by surprise in a negative way? I don't know. But at the time, it felt right to me to like open up to someone about what I was experiencing and have someone to lean on. That was kind of my experience with opening up my world to other people when it came to my PTSD so that I could start to talk about it with others so that I wasn't just going through it alone. 
that part is really significant. Now I kind of want to talk about what my PTSD looked like within me specifically so that you guys can have like actual tangible examples with how someone with autism can have PTSD and what that looks like. My PTSD definitely was highly impacted by sounds like I said in the beginning of this video. I remember the first moment I really realized how bad the PTSD was was when I was sleeping over at a friend's house when I was in middle school, I was in the car with her and her dad and her and her dad were just casually talking and joking around and her dad bursted out in this loud booming laughter and he slapped the console of the car as he was laughing. And I remember jolting into the fetal position, automatically just like going into the fetal position my heart was racing so fast because I was so used to my dad having these very quick moments of anger and like going to hit me. And so I immediately went to block my face as if my dad was gonna come and hit me in the face. And all this happened within a second. I had this moment where I looked up they were still joking and talking together and they didn't even realize I had reacted like this in the back seat. And I remember coming out, sorry, I'm getting emotional talking about this. I remember coming out of the fetal position and being like, this is how bad my PTSD is. Like, it's so bad to a point where I react like that without even thinking in a moment where it's supposed to be like people having fun, laughing and stuff like that. But my physical immediate response was like, I'm gonna get harmed. Um, and that was a very, very, eye-opening experience for me and I had many experiences like this throughout my life with men and loud noises happening and I'm just kind of like immediately going to go block my face as a quick response. Uh, I don't struggle with that anymore, especially to that extent. As of now, the only thing I really struggle with is just like if there's a really loud noise, I'll kind of like jump like this, but it's only just cause it hurts my ears and I'm like, ooh, that didn't sound good. And that was like kind of physically painful, but thankfully I've come to a point where I no longer have to like block my face because my body thinks I'm about to get hit, you know? Doing jujitsu was a big part of that healing experience, I must say. But anyways, I would also have reoccurring nightmares of just like running away from my dad. You know, there's different responses to adrenaline, right? In psychology, they say there's fight, flight, freeze, fawn. And my trauma response to fear was to freeze because as you can imagine with someone like my father, where anything you do and say or anything you don't do and say could trigger him to be angry, it makes it so that you don't want to do anything at all. You just kind of want to play dead and wait for him to leave your vicinity to like resume doing what you're doing. Because I couldn't understand or pinpoint what I did to set him off, it made me feel like I couldn't do anything. For many years, anytime he was around, I would just immediately drop everything I did and would just kind of lay there, literally as if I was sleeping or just like laying there not doing anything until he left the room or left the house. And this carried over even after I stopped living with my father. This is something I noticed even as recently as the past 
three years living with my ex and living with my current partner and by no means do I feel unsafe around them. This is just the power of how habits can keep carrying over even when you don't have PTSD anymore and even when you don't have a reason for that habit. I realized that when I would be in the room by myself doing something and I would hear my partner like about to walk past the room, I distinctly remember like dropping everything I was doing and like pretending to be asleep, just like an automatic response. And I remember reflecting on that and being like, why do I still do that? And I understood where this came from. And I just remember having a moment being like, Irene, you don't need to do that anymore. So. I made a conscious effort to stop feeling the need to hide and to freeze and to continue doing what I wanted to do despite who was going to see it and despite whatever reaction they were going to have, just so I can understand that not everyone's going to make me feel unsafe for just doing what I wanted to do, right? And another significant thing I really want to bring up as well is that now reflecting back on the years of my life where I really had significant PTSD, I noticed that I had a lot of autistic shutdowns in association with the PTSD. And so what that looked like for me was there were specific moments with past partners where we would be arguing or having a very intense conversation where I would just shut down in the middle of the conversation and I would not talk or process anything. It was almost like the lights got turned out inside of me. My first boyfriend in high school, he was arguing with me about something. I felt like the conversation wasn't really going anywhere and I wasn't really being understood. I remember just completely like glazing over and just staring off into space, not responding at all. And I remember him looking at me at one point and being like, Irene, are you okay? Irene, can you say something? You're worrying me. Are you having a panic attack? Like what's going on? And he kept asking me all these questions and I just like sat there and didn't say anything and was just like staring off into space. And I don't think I came out of that for another hour or two. I was just completely nonverbal. I didn't even know what that was until years later after I got diagnosed with autism. Now I can identify that that was a shutdown in association to having relationship trauma and PTSD. And I could still deal with that every now and then, you know, the autistic shutdowns, but it's not really associated with the PTSD anymore. It's just, you know, an autistic thing where if I get too overstimulated, and I'm too stressed, I will just have a shutdown where I can't talk, I can't process. But I know that's not associated to the PTSD because it's not really happening in those specific dynamics that's associated to relationships and connecting with others. Like I said, the most significant PTSD I carried over for the longest time was PTSD in association to men because even after the traumatic events that had occurred, I would still experience traumatic events on a pretty day-to-day -day basis for many years as I was going to college in San Francisco, the city. And so even just walking from class to class, I would be pretty much guaranteed to be harassed at some sort of capacity by men at least once a day. And as you can imagine, someone who already has PTSD and a fear of men, being harassed every single day on top of that for years doesn't really help. And so 
because I was experiencing so much compounding of trauma and I didn't seem to get a break from it, that really solidified the PTSD and actually transformed it from PTSD to CPTSD. For those who don't know, CPTSD is caused by ongoing trauma, which lasts for months or years, while PTSD may be caused by a single traumatic event. That's when I started to really develop the CPTSD because even after I graduated from college and moved on from being in San Francisco all the time and I was only really in environments locally from where I lived, I would still be so hyper vigilant about men. And I think autism made this a lot harder because I don't think I could really interpret facial expressions and social dynamics as accurately as an holistic person. So when you have CPTSD in association to men, right? I kind of interpreted every single man as a danger. You guys can really see how the relationship of autism can affect and worsen PTSD or CPTSD. And so I kind of started for a couple years to see every man as a threat because I didn't know what they were gonna do to me. And I thought that all men were gonna hurt me somehow. I just needed to protect myself from it. During this time, I spent a few years being a barista between graduating college and looking for my next big girl job, I felt extremely uncomfortable with essentially every male customer that I came across. I would refuse to interact with and take male customers. There were certain male customers that I absolutely refused to interact with and I would always ask my manager to help take that customer for me and I remember like not being able to convey to them why I couldn't do it because they never did anything physically to me to make me feel unsafe, but it could just be like a certain look they give me or a certain energy they give me that made me feel unsafe. And so I would just, you know, be trying to tell my manager, like, I don't know how to tell you why and I don't know how to prove why, but I just don't feel comfortable around them and I can't you know, interact with them. And it made me feel crazy because it was just like, is this all in my head? Do I actually have a reason to feel uncomfortable or is there no reason? And if there is a reason, am I reacting too dramatically to it? Because it's normal for like women to feel uncomfortable around certain men, but they'll still interact with them. And, you know, I would have these moments where I'm like, why can my other female coworkers handle it so smoothly when I just like, get so panicked and I can't interact at all. Even when I would move on from that job to another job and I had a male boss that I had to answer to, I would feel so uncomfortable with all of our interactions and I never knew what was inappropriate or appropriate because I was constantly feeling scared of him. I was constantly feeling uncomfortable. And I remember I would have moments where I would tell people, he said this thing to me or did this thing and it made me feel extremely uncomfortable and unsafe and then when I would explain it to them they would be like oh that doesn't sound weird those moments would make me feel like I was crazy as well because I was like am I just so sensitive that like normal social interactions are perceived as a threat by me little things like my male boss would stare at me a lot and I remember on my first day at my new job he asked me like what ethnicity I was or what my heritage was and that made me feel uncomfortable and I would always get, get this feeling like men wanted to like take something from me or make me feel uncomfortable or like take advantage of me. Other ways that my CPTSD would affect me was I couldn't 
go run errands without feeling an extreme impending doom. Like you guys have no idea how hard it was for me to even go grocery shopping, to go to the gym. I literally had to spend hours hyping myself up to do that because I was essentially preparing myself to get re-traumatized every single time. That's the hard thing about CPTSD because a lot of the times these things aren't necessarily in your head. Like your reactions to something is valid but it's just kind of like the way you react might be a lot bigger than someone without PTSD. So for example, I remember there was this man who would stalk me at the gym. He remembered the times I would go and he would show up every single time I was at the gym. He would follow me around in the entirety I was at the gym from machine to machine, just watching me and not working out. One time even followed me into the parking lot and got in his car and followed my car outside of the parking lot. This situation was obviously scary and anyone would be scared of this man and have a reaction to him but because i already had the cptsd it made it that much more horrible to me and my reaction to it was a lot more visceral and intense because i was already so scared of men on a day-to-day -day basis so having those types of moments made it that much harder to move on from the fear and made it that much harder to go on about day-to-day -day things because it made me scared to do day-to-day -day things because I couldn't seem to escape from it. And so I would always have this battle between wanting to just like seclude myself in the safety of my home and needing to actually like get out into the world and do certain things that I had to do, like go to work, buy groceries, go to the gym. These are things that are necessary that you can't not do, but it would be so scary for me every single time. And I would even like spend hours trying to find the right outfit to conceal my body so that I wouldn't be harassed. You know, little things like that. During COVID, when everything was like quarantined and all that stuff, there was a good amount of time where I wasn't getting traumatized anymore. And I was in the safety of my own home and things like that. I had a good amount of time in that time to overcome my fear of men. For example, I went out to go walk my dog around my community one day. For the longest time, I was scared of it, but during COVID, day after day, I started to notice like, you know what, on today's walk, nothing bad happened. And that would happen over and over again. Nothing bad happened today, nothing bad happened today. And as I came to a place where I'm like, you know what, I could go out and walk, I'm not scared, I'm not anxious. There was one day where this man drove past me and my dogs and then reversed to get next to me and he started following me slowly with his car as I like turned into a part of the community where I was hoping he wouldn't follow me into, but he did. And immediately that PTSD came back up and my fight or flight started happening. And I remember like taking my camera out and recording him and saying, you're following me, you know, things like that. And I remember like crying afterwards, posting that to my Instagram and saying like, this is why I hate men and things like that. And having like such an intense reaction to it, which felt right at the time. But after that happened and the next day came about, I had time to like regulate myself. I had this shame kind of of wash over me where I was like, oh my God, people probably think I'm crazy for reacting like that. Crying on Instagram because a man was following me as I was walking my dog. You could take 10 steps forward and moments like that brings you 10 steps back and makes you feel like 
you're back to square one and it makes you feel like you didn't just overcome that CPTSD that you've been working on for years. This really goes to show that it is a journey. It's not like one day you have it and the next day you don't. It's like you slowly kind of like shed the CPTSD over the years and through constant work and awareness. At this point in my life, I was generally okay with everything. I could run errands without being anxious anymore. But there would be times where I would be out shopping with my ex-partner, for example. And then I would just constantly be looking around to see, is there any creepy men? Is there anyone that's kind of following me? Things like that. And I remember I spotted this one guy that was following us throughout the grocery store. It's like every aisle we were in, he would also end up in it. And I would catch him just staring at me, which made me feel super uncomfortable. And I remember pointing him out to my partner at the time. And I was like, have you noticed that man's been following us around the grocery store and my partner was like you're thinking too much like he's just shopping for his stuff he's not going to do anything especially if I'm here with you and I remember feeling so triggered as if he was going to actually come and harm me in some sort of way as we were checking out with our groceries I noticed that that same man came out from the back with the grocery store shirt on so I realized oh he works here and that was a really significant moment for me to realize how I'm affected by the CPTSD that I was literally so hyper vigilant in that grocery store thinking that this man was following me and trying to be creepy and harmful despite having my partner there despite my partner saying everything's okay and now realizing that that man is actually an employee of that grocery store i think that last little bit reminded me of like okay this is the reason why i have to continually put myself in check and manage how i perceive threats and and how i react to them because there are actually moments where I don't need to be threatened, but because I still carry that CPTSD and PTSD, I have to consciously be making sure that I'm not preparing myself for the worst all the time because a lot of the times the worst isn't going to happen. So the reason why I think it's really important for you guys who may have PTSD and ASD to begin to decipher the differences and the relationship with how these two disorders interact is because when you go in for your autism assessment or at, honestly like when you're trying to get diagnosed with any type of neurodivergency and you are someone who has been through traumatic experiences like me i want you guys to be very careful about that because a lot of the times medical professionals will actually use your trauma to discount the neurodivergency because they will say that your symptoms are attributed to just the PTSD rather than the neurodivergency when in reality they can both coexist with each other but for whatever reason medical professionals have a hard time distinguishing that and understanding that they can coexist together. I'm not saying this to scrutinize medical professionals because I understand that's part of their job because they don't want to misdiagnose someone with a disorder they don't have. Have, so it's better to play it safe but this is harmful in a sense because when you are a neurodivergent person and it's so hard for you to get that diagnosis it's harder for you to get your treatment and accommodations so something significant that I had to really work through was after I've given myself time to overcome my PTSD and my CPTSD were my neurodivergent traits still there and the answer was yes and were my neurodivergent traits there since childhood? The answer was yes. And 
were those neurodivergent traits there before the traumatic experiences happened and the PTSD developed? And the answer was yes. Those are important questions for you to ask yourself and advocate for when you do go in for assessment. And if I can offer any suggestions if you are going in for an assessment is to try to focus on your neurodivergent symptoms and less on your traumatic experiences and your PTSD. It's not that you're lying about it, it's just putting the focus on something that the assessment is about. I remember the first time I talked about the autism to a medical professional, they asked a lot about my past traumatic experiences throughout my life and not enough about my neurodivergent symptoms. And so of course, by the end of the assessment, they were just like, you know what? You're just a person that has trauma and that affects you in these specific ways. It makes it hard for you to have relationships, things like that. And I felt like they, couldn't understand me or see me underneath those traumatic experiences. And so when I went in for my second assessment, I made sure to really focus this time on my neurodivergency and my autism. And I was very honest with my psychologist. I was like, I'm a person that has experienced trauma. I understand that, but I want you to focus on my neurodivergency during today's assessment. And he was like, Yes, of course. We talked about like my social deficits, regardless of whatever issues I had with my family and a lot of my hypervigilance despite the PTSD, things like that. We figured that a lot of my hypervigilance is just me being objectively overstimulated and for someone who does have PTSD, that kind of makes it a lot worse because when you're already like responding to loud sounds, or you know textures certain types of lighting in a very like fight or flight way it kind of can trigger the ptsd a lot more easily and make it harder to overcome throughout the years and of course socially it makes it harder to overcome because you are kind of like a lot of the time secluded in your own little corner of your house in your world and not giving yourself much of an opportunity to experience life and build new memories to eradicate those traumatic experiences and show you, oh, the world's not that bad. Oh, people do care about me. Oh, I can have flourishing relationships, things like that. I think those of us that do have PTSD and autism spectrum disorder, one thing we have to continually work on and remind ourselves is that Life sometimes is just simple and that's okay. Sometimes there are people out there that will love and understand me and it could be that simple. I deserve to live a worthwhile life. I deserve to be happy and things can truly, truly be that good because a lot of the times we're kind of looking for something to go wrong and trying to prepare for it. So I think it's really important for us to really remind ourselves of that. Like things can be good, things can be happy, things can be simple. Remind yourself of that every single day. And if there are issues that will come up, because there are going to be issues, you know, that's just life. I want you to remind yourself that you will deal with it if and when it comes up rather than trying to prepare for the possibility of it. Because then you're just preparing for a hundred different types of possibilities that may not even happen. Remind yourself that life can be good and remind yourself that if there is an issue, you trust yourself to deal with it if and when it comes up. And with that being said, I hope this video has been helpful for you guys with learning a bit about your PTSD and your ASD. If you wanna keep learning about your neurodivergency, go on ahead and click on my most recent video where I talk about how you can discover your masks. 
Thank you guys for being a part of my channel and I will see you guys on next week's video. Bye guys.